we will return to consider other dimensions of this momentum. You see, the, the action of God in itself, the Exodus, for instance, has a momentum that is recalled. That's why the secret of liturgy, or the essence, whatever you want to call it, is anamnesis, recalling. As we recall, God also makes it present to us, you see. It's not just, uh, that's why the ceremonies, why we have to be a community, see. And so, that's, to worship in spirit and in truth is to worship, you see, in the power of the Holy Spirit, based on the revelation of the Father, and in community. We as a people worship. So now, we're going to start looking at the text itself. Uh, uh, in this translation, I'm going to call it Tabernacles. Um, John calls it uh, Skenopegia, which is um, not often used. So we'll go now, we'll start. And after these things, or after this, after these things, Jesus walked about in Galilee. He's in the north. He did not wish to walk about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. But the Jewish feast of tabernacles, Sukkoth, was near. Now this is a very interesting act, interaction. <clears throat> His brothers said to him, Move on from here and go to Judea, so that your disciples will see your works which you are doing. For no one works in secret and desires to be well known. If you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. John remarks, for not even his brothers believed in him. We have a very important um, prominent relative on the rise, which means he'll bring us all with him. We belong to Jesus' family. We're part of this big shot entourage, you see. And be good for finances, be good for, you know, influence. It's a, so, don't hide in a corner. Get out there and do your miracles so that everybody will see how important you are and that will make us look important. Uh, that's very human thinking, but it's also very uh, Mediterranean thinking. Uh, we belong to Jesus. We're his relatives, you see. And he's a big shot. He can call down fire from heaven. He can change water into wine. He can raise the dead. And he's our cousin. Uh, that's why, you see, uh, John says, for not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time. Now, uh, the word there, you see, uh, o kiros oimos, my kiros, my appointed time, uh, is not yet present. Your kiros is always ready. And then he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I bear witness against it that its works are evil. That's why it hates me. I'm telling them their works are evil, not because I want to take out my anger on them, but because I want to save them from their evil to enter eternal life. And I'm willing to discomfort myself so that I can do that. You see, you can always tell a prophet from a nut. It's very easy. A prophet loves his people. A nut is just angry. And you can tell easily. 
Okay. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I bear witness against it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. And then we have this baffling thing. I will not go up to this feast because my time is not yet then completed. And that's when you have again this kairos. <clears throat> He's saying, I'm not going up in your sense of going up, just going up to be part of the celebration, you know. Obliged by the law. <clears throat> uh, but that my kairos has not been completed. Um, I will go up, but in a different way. Saying this, he remained in Galilee. When his brothers went up to the feast, then he went up. Not openly, but as it were in secret, because the Jews are looking for him. You see? And so, the scene is set now. Even he is going there, but he's going in secret. The Jews were looking for him at the feast. And they were saying, where is he? And the debate about him was great among the crowds. Some were saying, he is good. Others rather were saying, no, he is misleading the crowd. But no one spoke openly about him because of fear of the Jews. And now we start to hear this word in an explicit way. Jews in that sense means not the Jewish people. Some of the Jews, Jesus was part of the Jewish people. The apostles are part of the Jewish people. It means usually the, the authorities in Jerusalem who are very much opposed to him. Those are the Jews. Not always. The word is used. But certainly, fear of the Jews, they have to be afraid of themselves. They're Jews. But these are the Jews uh, uh, who are against him. Now, he's gone up to the feast He's been there in secret. He hasn't been doing or saying much. Now, starting in verse 14, he makes his first appearance. Already, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. The esplanade, the, the uh, large court of the temple, was a place of, for teaching. Many people were there teaching. And Jesus went up to the temple and taught. The Jews were astonished, saying, How did he come to know letters, that is, become educated, not having been taught? And now Jesus picks that up and invites them to move further. Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but is of the one who sent me. Now here's the clue for all of us, my friends. If anyone wishes to do his will, he will know about the teaching whether it is of God or I am speaking on my own. You want to know the authenticity of Jesus and his teaching? Desire to do the will of God. If you don't, you won't get it. Even if you're going to church, but you don't want to hear what he's got to say, you're not going to get it. You see, it's very important. He will know about the teaching, whether it is of God or I am speaking on my own. And then he gives them a criterion. You want to be, if somebody wants to be a rock star preacher, they're not from God. That's that. 
They might be saying true things, but it's building up their ego, not his glory. You see, someone speaking on his own is speaking his own glory. So if anyone's acting like this is all my idea, or at least my own presentation, he's seeking his own glory. Occupational hazard of preachers. We've got to stay immersed in the Word of God and only preach the Word. We don't have to be funny or charming or popular. We just have to be truthful. And so that's what he's saying here, you see. Huh. But someone seeking the, of the glory of the one who sent him, that one is truthful. And unrighteousness is not in him. And now he ties this up uh, to an event back in chapter 5. Did not Moses give you the law? And none among you observes the law. Notice our Lord is at the, this great feast. Thousands and thousands of people there celebrating. There's light, there's dancing, there's candles, there's pouring out of water. You see, there's all this. And um, Jesus is calling them back to the law and what the law really means and what the law predicts. And so, uh, did not Moses give you the law? And none among you observes the law. Why are you seeking to kill me? The crowd answered and said, literally, you have a demon. So, you are demented. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, If a man... Oh, I, I've lost a verse here. Excuse me, I'll have to take it from Greek. Um, this is why Jesus gave you circumcision. Not that it was from Moses, uh, but it is from the fathers. Meaning it's the tradition and so forth. And because of that tradition handed down long before Moses, Abraham was the first to circumcise, right? So on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man, okay? Uh, now let's see if I have the rest of the text. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses be not broken... Are you angry at me that I make a whole man healthy on the Sabbath? He's alluding to chapter the incident recounted in chapter 5, where on purpose, if you recall, we've worked with this, on purpose, Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethesda. On purpose. Bethesda, right? Uh, no, Bethesda. Uh, he heals that man on a Sabbath on purpose, so that he can declare, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Father works until now, and I work. And they wanted to kill him because of that, as you remember. That was chapter 5, just two chapters ago. Um, so, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses be not broken, are you angry at me, that I make a whole man healthy on the Sabbath? You see the argument? Can it, why can it be so binding to have circumcision on the Sabbath, with which I agree, and not binding 
to heal a whole man who had been 38 years sick waiting at that pool to be healed. Why does that make me guilty of death? And then he finally says, do not judge on appearance, but make a righteous judgment. Now you will notice that we are here again with the notion appealing to a hard heart. Can you not see that your heart is hard? Can you not see? You're looking for pretext to kill me. Well, I gave you one when I healed that man on the Sabbath. I didn't give it to you for the pretext for healing. I gave it to you so that I could explain who I am. The Jews had this tradition. What can God do on the Sabbath? He can keep the world in existence. He can give life. He can do... Even though it says he rested on the Shabbat, he can't rest totally or the whole world will fall apart, will disappear. So then Jesus says, the Father works until now, and so do I. I have all those divine privileges because I am divine. I can work on the Sabbath. That's when they wanted to kill him. But you see, it was from their own tradition a claim to be equal to the Father. Remember, we did all that you see, equality to the fallen human mind means competition. Equality in the Trinity means infinite, beautiful, selfless love, not competition. And so, that's why our Lord says in these last words, do not judge on appearance, but make a righteous judgment. Make a judgment that is righteous, is in righteousness. Think, what have I done here? You see, uh, I've healed a man when I did this other. And now I ask you to listen to me. 